We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview is with Zelda Volkov from Zelda Wigs. During this episode, Zelda shares her story with me of how she started her luxury wig brand, as well as her personal journey of taking ownership and responsibility by making her own life choices, which were different from her upbringing. Zelda spoke to me about juggling a business as a single mom, the importance of making yourself a priority, her approach to developing and maintaining healthy and long-lasting relationships, as well as how to achieve a wonderful and healthy relationship with an ex-spouse. Listen in as in true Zelda fashion, she tells it like it is and candidly shares her empowering story. I grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Um, My family come from Russia. They are Russian immigrants. And when they immigrated to the U.S., um, they were very um, new you know, to the whole religious life and they were very passionate um, and they kind of took everything on very, um, you know, sensitively and very personally. And we were raised, me and my sisters were raised in this new Balchuva home where everything was very sacred and special and personal. And um, that was kind of like the vibe that we grew up with. We grew up with everything was very, um, you know, extreme i would like to say but also very um special you know for for my parents like everything was very um important every detail every mitzvah every um you know every detail of every you know type of restriction and that was kind of the vibe that we were raised with um also in general aside from being religious uh you know just growing up in a russian home like the russian culture um is very much um i would say um you know sexist very old school you know and so like that vibe of um growing up you know russian and religious definitely cemented like certain ideas in my mind about um you know my place in the world my place in the home um, and things like that, which was very ironic that when I grew up and I got married and I opened my own business and I started traveling the world, it was kind of so not aligned with what I saw in my house. However, I still grew up with an enormous amount of confidence um, in the fact that I could achieve whatever I put my mind to. So I definitely grew up in this sort of paradox in way of ways, mm-hmm. um, but they were definitely very strong um, regardless. Like even though I went on to achieve and kind of think outside the box for myself, a lot of the ideas that I grew up with definitely took a lot um, to uncover and unlearn. Wow. So would you say that you started 
you know, seeing more and discovering yourself more when you started your business and started like, traveling? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up pretty insulated, but I still grew up with a very um, nice sense of culture, you know, being the fact my parents are Russian. So they always kind of infused us with, you know, history and culture and traditions and, you know, unrelated to um, Judaism. And so I definitely feel like I grew up pretty well-rounded. However, I was still very much in um, a tight little box in terms of experiences. Um, and I think that's kind of where the paradox was, where it was like, you could do whatever you want, but you've got to stay in the confines of religion. And I think that that's kind of where I had the part of me that was like, yeah, I could do whatever I want, I could achieve. But then like, I was always held back with like the rules and the restrictions uh, that were placed on me rather than, you know, where, what I was aligned to internally. So that's kind of like the, the battle that I was constantly fighting within myself. But definitely when I um, was married and um, me and my then husband at the time decided to open up this company, uh, that's definitely when my eyes started opening to just the world and kind of what, you know, getting lost in these, you know, new languages and new new countries and new people and new, um, you know, it just opens your mind when you see things that you're not, that you were not familiar with before. And, it, you know, and I think that I definitely would um, correlate my, my growth to the fact that I, you know, started to travel for sure. Right. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your wig company, you know, I, I don't wear wigs right now, but I've heard such great things about it. You know, the, how beautiful and natural the hair is. It looks gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. So what Thank inspired you, so you to start this company? Um, so when I was um, married, I was 22 years old and um, I was at home on maternity leave uh, with my second baby. Um, I was working in BLH photo at the time. And um, I was kind of in a really low place in my mind at the time in a sense that I was kind of living in a very robotic um, mindset. You know, everything was very much on repetition, you know, I knew Monday looked exactly like Thursday and the next Tuesday looked exactly like the next, you know, the following Tuesday, everything was very familiar and the same constantly rotating. And I think that that, that together with the fact that when I would finally get home from work, from a whole day of work, I was met with a whole nother set of work of, you know, taking care of my babies and, um, you know, making dinner. It was just a revolving door of work that made me feel very unfulfilled, you know, even though I was just constantly working. And I, when I was on maternity leave and I had time to think for the first time and I didn't have anywhere to run to so early in the morning and I was, you know, just at home nurturing and nourishing my baby, my newborn baby, I think that time that I finally had to just be with my thoughts, um, you know, gave me this idea of opening a wig company. And the reason why it was a wig company was because I, you know, I'm Russian and I grew up I'm going to Ukraine and I have a lot of friends in Ukraine and I knew that that's where really hair, really good hair is sourced. Um, and at that time I was in the market for a new wig. My wigs were atrocious and I, 
had no money at the time and my only budget was you know really low-end wigs but I had this idea that if I go to Ukraine and make a wig for myself I did not think that it was a was going to be a business at all I was just thinking you know to make a high-end wig a low on a, on a low-cost budget uh, would be good and so I you know got my Ukrainian friends involved um, I made myself an amazing wig it looked for the first time I felt so natural and I felt so myself uh, and that was like a really defining moment for me because I was always into fashion I was always into trends you know within even within all the restrictions of modesty I was always someone that really gravitated towards towards fashion and I always felt that there was such a disconnect there was such a big disconnection between like my outfit and then you know where my head and the wig came into the picture and and I think that I was like just on this pursuit of finding the perfect wig that would make me feel you know like everything just flows and um and yeah and I and I made myself one and then I made my mother one and my aunt one and I was like wow, you know, if this is making us all happy, I'm sure, you know, other women would find this just as satisfying. And I, you know, like everything that I do, if I do it, I want to do it. I want to be all in. I want to do it completely. I don't like to do things like, you know, half, half. So I just, yeah, I just went full in into business mode, got an investor and did the whole, the whole shebang. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Good for you. Thank you. I love how these things some often start kind of like from mistakes almost or just, yeah. I mean, I guess I should say a mistake. It's more of from like an organic way. Yeah. Like just completely out of like without intentionally looking to make a business. Yeah. And now you, your rigs are sold all over, right? Yeah, they are. They are sold all over and they really are uh, the best wigs, truly. I, I think, you know, obviously they're mine, but I do believe that they are top quality, top quality product. Yeah, for sure. They look like it from what I've seen, for sure. Thank you. Sure. So I see that you talk about being mindful on your platforms and it's definitely abundantly clear from watching you, you know, especially because you just mentioned about the wigs and stuff that that's really mindfulness, you know, being like what needs to be done and and being mindful of, you know, of direction that you're heading in. So how have you achieved this mentality and way of thinking? So being mindful for me um, is definitely a journey that I've been on for about three years now. Um, you know, being intentional and purposeful and mindful has not been in my uh, vocabulary uh, growing up. It's definitely not something that I was even aware of um, late into even my marriage. Um, it really came also kind of by accident where I was divorced and I was in constant pursuit of like the next high feeling, the next like joyous feeling, the next happy moment. I was just, just constantly chasing that next, you know, good moment. And I feel like a lot of us constantly do this where we feel like, you know, we attach our happiness or our, sense of worth or a sense of growth or any kind of good feeling to an achievement or to an event or to um, external validation. And I think that uh, for myself, that's definitely the road that I was on. And a lot of what I was chasing was everything that I was 
that I was raised to believe was wrong for me. So it was kind of like act of, acts of rebellion, um, but I was, you know, in this very bad headspace of just confusion and loss, honestly, after my divorce. I never had a single life. I got married when I was 19, and I was just simply figuring myself out for the first time after I, you know, went through a seven-year marriage, after I had three kids, after I got divorced, after I opened the business, that kind of happened to me after all of that. And usually this is something that happened, this is something that people go through in their teens or in their young, you know, in their, in their early 20s. This is not something that usually you experience after all of that. And that's where I found myself in because I feel, feel like I kind of went through everything the wrong way. And I think a lot of religious people that have, that are raised to believe a certain you know way and they're not necessarily aligned with it to the full extent to the way that they're raised kind of find themselves in this space of who am i why am i here what am i doing what like does my lifestyle align with me or am i doing everything just to please everybody around me and that's definitely where i where i was and i started to question everything that i was taught for the first time because up until that point i never even had the opportunity to question it was you know it was i was just always ticking boxes and, um, and so when I started therapy after my divorce, uh, that's when, you know, everything about mindfulness and, and living with intention and gaining clarity and self-awareness came into my life. And at first it was just these words, you know, that made sense cognitively, but I didn't necessarily feel it. Um, but it made sense and I liked it. And then I would have like random epiphanies and random discoveries along my journey and, only I would say a year ago is when everything that I've been acquiring intellectually started to really hit my heart. And I started to actually feel everything that I've been learning and everything that I've been acquiring. And that's when the real change started to happen, when I actually started to feel it. And, um, and yeah, and I learned and the most important thing that I know that I've, that I've learned is that mindfulness and you know the journey into self-discovery is a lifelong process it's not something that we ever master it's something that we are constantly um trying to unlearn and trying to heal and trying to grow um and that's and that's the point of it the point of it is growing and you know not achieving necessarily right that's so true that's so true i love that yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned it because sometimes you know when we when when we try to race and just like achieve we forget about ourselves and our own mindfulness and intentions kind of like what you said about getting married super young and then just having children you know and yeah you, you don't really have time to slow down and just and think and and, and grow sometimes yeah. you know and exactly it's, it's definitely a challenge in some in some cultures that we're kind of pushed to do that you know Yes, absolutely. I feel like, especially when you get married young, um, and especially if you have a child young, like I did, I was 20. I just turned 20 when I had my first baby. And there's no time to sit with your thoughts. Like you're a mother, you have responsibilities, you have to, you know, make keep your child alive. That's like your main focus. Your focus is not your inner thoughts and, you know, your passions and your purpose. So obviously, you know, those things take the back end or, you know, maybe they don't, they don't take any end at all. Um, so that's definitely not where my head was at. And um, I think that's actually an issue. I think that 
regardless if you want to get married young or not, I think that your focus should always be uh, your purpose, your passion. What are you here for? I think that that should always be your first and foremost priority and everything else, including your children, comes second. Right. You know what? I am so happy that you said that because <laughs> people are so – you know, people are scared to say that, and I feel like everyone – Everyone knows that's true. It's like, it's like, yeah, the no, yeah. I absolutely think 100% that if we do not invest in ourselves, if we do not give ourselves the time um, to nurture ourselves, to have a good relationship with ourselves, to do the things that we need to do for ourselves, there is no way that we could be the best mother, the best daughter, the best wife, the best worker, the best business owner, whatever it is that we want to be. We, there is no way that we could be. The, at the top of our game if we do not prioritize ourselves first first and foremost that's just the simple way it goes you know that's what i believe means i think it says love your fellow like yourself why you're like yourself because you first in order to be able to love another person the way you love yourself you first need to love yourself right absolutely yeah and yeah and i think that it sounds selfish only if you misinterpret the entire meaning of self-development, you know? There's, yes. th- that's the only way you could misinterpret it in the sense that it's selfish. Right, right. And it's interesting because you still have a few kids, you know, thank God, and you're still working on yourself. So there is a way to do it. It's just that you discover that. You you know what I mean? Like when you were younger, yeah. you didn't realize that, but then you discover that. You could, you yeah, know. and absolutely. Now I spend more time on myself than I ever did. Um, and I hands down could tell you that I'm a way better mother today than I ever was. So it has nothing to do with, um, with, you know, not spending time on yourself does not mean that make, that does not make you a better mother. No matter how much I do not believe in self-sacrifice to be a good parent. I think that that's wrong. I think that's um, a very um, archaic belief. And I definitely do not think that it has any space in today's day and age. I think that, self-sacrifice is the wrong way to look at parenting. I think self-expansion is something else. And I think that's what I, I am fully aligned with. I don't think that being a good parent means you need to sacrifice any parts of yourself. I think being a good parent means being 100% yourself plus having all these incredible, nurturing, inspiring relationships with your children. I don't think it has anything to do. And obviously, when I say this, I don't mean that sometimes you're not, you know, giving up your evenings and sometimes you're not giving up your entire days or months. And obviously you're giving everything you want to your children, but first and foremost, foremost, you are investing in your self-development. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Is that, by the way, because I saw on your um, Instagram, I think it was, that you're a life coach. Is this what kind of like inspired you to, to, head, to go in that direction? So life coaching was always something that I was drawn to. Um, and really, I didn't really think I would ever necessarily do it because it was always simply something that I was attracted to purely because I liked it. It wasn't anything that I thought was necessarily good for business or good for money or any, you know, kind of, I didn't think of it as like a lucrative job. I just loved it. And when Corona hit and I was, you know, faced like many people with these, you know, just thoughts and decisions of like life, I, I realized that I want to do, I want to engross myself every single day in what I love. And life coaching, I absolutely love firstly, first and foremost, because 
I work on myself through my life coaching. That's it's something that you know I'm constantly engrossed in this world of development. So it's something that I, you know, have to work on myself constantly, and that's something that I love. And then um, the second aspect of actually, you know, being able to witness the transformation um, and the growth of my clients. That's something that's just so special to me. I, I like. There's nothing I like more. I, lo- I enjoy more. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm holding right now. I wow. I developed a six week um, transformational journey that I am really proud of, and um, currently I do it on Zoom as a group. It's a group coaching. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's. <laughs> so funny I feel like corona has really impacted a lot of people really for the better because you kind of realize what's important in life and what you love doing and people are just kind of heading in that direction of what they really love to do yeah absolutely and I feel like a lot of people are also since you know corona put everybody in their homes and a lot of the people that they thought were in their lives or they thought were important in their lives they realize when push comes to shove, not necessarily on anyone's fault, but just simply because of the way things turned out, that the people that they thought were the ones that were going to be with them, you know, in these types of situations weren't with them during these types of situations. Or even the people that they thought that they would want to be with turned out that they don't want to be with those people. So I think that that in itself gave people this kind of, you know, space to realize like, do I live my life to please these types of people, these certain people? And if so, why? Why shouldn't I maybe go ahead and do and live based on what I feel I want to do and not try to base my life around pleasing, you know, whether it's my parents, whether it's my friends, whether it's my community members, whatever it is, I feel like it put a lot into perspective for people. Right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, kind of heading in another direction now. So, okay, we obviously grow and evolve as we get older, right? Kind of like what we were talking about before. So, you know, you made choices when you got married, you know, whether like religious or values, you know, in general, they they may have shifted and evolved, right? So how do you handle that being a single parent while your ex is making different life choices? Um, So the the, the very simple way how we handle it is, you know, I kind of look at everything as just a relationship, like person to person. So I feel like a lot of the times when we have um, any kind of animosity or any kind of tension, it's because there's, you know, some certain expectations that are not um, fulfilled or there are certain, um, you know, someone's threatening your, your, your ego or there's certain things that kind of step between you know, the two different people that are trying to resolve something. And I think that it's very important to understand when we're, we're dealing with anything, especially co-parenting, you know? So when I, with my ex-husband, I always like to, you know, make sure that I'm clear that there's nothing that's threatening my ego. There's nothing that's threatening his ego. I respect him as a person. He respects me as a person. Also, there's no expectations. You know, we are not married to each other. I don't expect anything from him other than to be the parent that he is. And he doesn't expect anything more for me than for me to be the parent that I am. And I think that that's really the key um, to co-parenting because when you understand this concept, it doesn't matter about religion. It doesn't matter about 
what he should see so what she does with her time what he does with his, his time it's like i respect him as a person i respect him as the father of my children and so when my children are with him um you know i completely surrender to to him and his space so it's not my place to tell him what to do no matter how triggering or how uncomfortable certain things may make me, you know, in terms of religion, for example. And I think the same, obviously I can't talk for him, but I think the same goes for him in terms of no matter how um, different his, you know, views on religion is to mine, I don't think that he feels that he could infringe upon, you know, the way I parent them when they're in my space. I think that, and, the, and I think the reason why this is the case is because I think we, we are both very comfortable with the fact that we both prioritize our children's needs and we both respect our children's needs um, 100%. So I think that that's what calms us down because no matter what, I know that if my children, regardless of how he parents or how I parent, I know that if you know my daughter wants something or feels like something is, is unfair, I think that that would be priority, not you know, what he, he thinks you know, what she should do according to religion or what I think she shouldn't do according to religion, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the key here, that we, that we respect each other as human beings and that we respect our children as the human beings that they are. And we don't, at least I, I definitely do not enforce my way on my children. I'm very much um, a conscious parent in the sense that I have regular communication with them as human beings, not as I am a mother. I'm up here. Your child. You're down here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's great. It's like a great mother. <laughs> Thank, <Seriously>. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you. Definitely always working on it. Well, we all are. You know, like yes. no one's perfect. But, um, so would you say that that's like your co-parenting advice? Because I was actually going to ask you that, but it sounds like you kind of answered that question. Yeah, I definitely would say that once we let go of expectations and once we really surrender to the fact that they are the parent that they are, they are, they will be the parent that they will be and letting go of any, you know, any drama or, you know, any emotions you could be like harboring and just letting go and respecting them for, for who they are. And not only respecting them, I'm truly and completely grateful to the father that he is because he's an exceptional father. And I think that that's, you know, I'm just lucky that he's such a good father. There are so many, you know, terrible fathers out there. So, right. so, you know, I would never want to, you know, you know, and I'm not saying that there are things that come up that make me uncomfortable. Of course there are, because we're human beings. And when they do, it's a conversation, of course. Right. Right. That's such a healthy outlook. Yeah. Would you say that there are any co-parenting issues like uniquely challenging to single moms in particular? Um, I think that it really, like, you know, I have so, now that I'm divorced, I have so many friends that are divorced and single parents. And I think that, I wouldn't say that there's a, co- a common theme among single moms because it really, really depends on the type of divorce or the type of ex-husband or the type of children. Every situation is really, really unique. Uh, but I will say that I think that I think the general vibe I get is that most moms have, for some reason, in the religious world, mm-hmm. um, the moms have the children much more than the dads. That's what I'm noticing. Um, and it's like 
in my not religious world, uh, that's not the case. It's like generally, obviously, I'm not talking about every specific case. There's all types of cases, but the general vibe in the not religious world is 50-50. And 50-50 means 50-50. But in the religious world, I find that the children generally live with the mom and then the dad kind of sees them like every other weekend. Like that's the vibe I get. Or And in addition to like once a week, where it's definitely not 50-50, it's more like uh, 70-30 or something. Right. And I find that that's very interesting, but also not surprising and very aligned with, you know, the the sort of sexist way of of religious of religiosity. That's kind of just how it goes, unfortunately. Right. So you're saying within like the religious world, the mom has the children more. Yeah, I feel like the religious world definitely, in general, nothing even to do with divorce, puts a bigger emphasis on the mom parenting the children right, than they right. than they do the dad. So obviously, this would be reflected in divorce as well right so you're saying it's harder because you have you have to deal with like dividing your responsibilities between the kids because you're alone and then yeah i'm not saying that necessarily any mob um fights this or any right, mom right, has right. necessarily an issue with this um but i do think that um you know moms that have the kids more than the dad definitely has a lot more responsibility like i know that for me being the working person that I am with all my, you know, visions and passions and projects that I'm constantly multitasking. For me, if I had my children 70% of the time, that would be much more difficult for me. And I don't know, you know, that definitely would make me happy. And it definitely would make me sad for my children also that they're with their dad less than they should be, you know? So I definitely embrace the fact that I love being a mom, but that being a mother is not all that I am. And I'm very proud of that. And I don't think that, you know, that that's that's not a conversation that you hear often in the religious world. That's true. I wonder if it's because people are really feel that or they're just afraid to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I definitely know that a lot of women I've had conversations with definitely feel like me, but they absolutely don't want to be judged. And I think that for me, letting go of judgment, I had to let go of that like, a, long, a long while back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so freeing. It's so freeing when you... Yeah. I mean, I'm still working on care, not caring what other people think, but I, I yeah. think... Yeah, no, I'm saying it's definitely a life, like I'm always, you know, even me that I let go of judgment, I obviously still things come up where I, where, you know, I'll, I'll also, you know, let it get to me. But of course, yeah, it's a lifelong process. Yeah, speaking of that, like, do you ever push off or think about pushing off what's best for you or or the kids really because of the fear what other people are going to think or say right so like in terms of religion I do not enforce anything so um you know with my older daughter I make sure to buy her um you know modest clothing because that's what she requests at this time you know if you know years go by and she starts having different opinions I'm going to go according to her I don't feel like I want to infringe on that space. I understand that the reason why she's requesting uh, modest clothing is because of her environment, um, obviously, but that's still something that I will, you know, always talk to her about the fact that she should go according to what she feels um, is right. Because you have to understand, like, I'm not in this space where I believe that these religious restrictions is the right way. So because I'm in, in that space where I think that it's it's really negative in a sense, not in the sense where it's going to be harmful to my children, but in the sense that I don't find the benefit in it, 
I am able to, you know, show her that if, if she finds that there's beauty in it, I respect that. And if at any point she doesn't feel like she wants to do it, I, you know, respect her the same. And I think that giving children that space to just choose for themselves is so liberating. And I think that um, growing up religious, we don't even know this concept because um, it's just so fundamentally against everything we're taught. Right. And I think that that's such a big issue in itself and an entire conversation in itself. But I think that when we're raised with this concept of we have evil inclination, we have these bad desires, we got to suppress it, we got to overcome it with willpower um, is such a wrong message because I don't believe in that at all. I don't think we're bad people. I don't think we have evil inclinations. I simply think that we do not give ourselves the time to even understand what we're capable of. We, how could you know what your limitations are if you do not test your limitations? How could you possibly say that you have evil desires if you don't know, if you, you've never done anything to, to, to be sure? Right. And I think that that um, is so important because I think that if you do test yourself, if you do give in to your desires, if you do go on this self-discovery journey, you're going to realize that most of those desires come from, ironically, the suppression of the desires. <laughs> and that's just simply, you know, what I do not want my children to go through. I know that I've been on that, you know, rebellious streak. And I think that um, healing myself from it was the most liberating feel, feeling of my life. And I feel like now I'm at this point where I genuinely believe that as people, we are innately good. We are good because God created us and God created us good. There's no reason why God would create us bad. And I think that um, trying to pretend like we are bad because we have desires and we need to suppress them is such a wrong way and it's such a wrong approach. So, so yeah, that's kind of like the space that I, I raise my children in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. You're trying to do the best for them and to, and to let them make their own choices. Yes, exactly. Because I think that once they start, once they live from this place of the world is mine, I could do whatever I want there's really no wrong that I could do and really trusting them that they could follow their own path. I think that gives them that confidence that they are amazing, that they, that they will do good. Right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So how do you balance being a single parent as well as a business owner? Because I touched on that for like a second. Yeah. Uh, being a single parent and a business owner it definitely has its challenges. Um, you know, it's a lot. It's, it's a, lot, um, a lot of demanding work. Um, first of all, I remind myself constantly that every single part of what I do as a parent and as a business owner is a choice and it's not a burden. And I think that that's, you know, that mindset shift made a big difference to me. Um, even being a parent, obviously a lot of people would be like, what do you mean? You don't have a choice. And I think that running with the concept that it is a choice is the most effective way to parent. Because if you're stuck in a space where you are resentful 
and that you know this is something that you have to do i think that's uh not only ineffective you're just gonna be mopey you know the whole day i think really right. understanding that at the end of the day if you go to the bottom 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 it is a choice because some parents do give their children up for adoption so just trying to obviously this is not like this is not something any parent necessarily would actually think of but just giving it perspective you know you kind of realize it is a choice and that is very right. empowering for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because when, when we have choices, it's like when you tell children, when, you know, parenting classes, they tell you to give the kids a choice about to wear the blue shirt or the right. green shirt because it's empowering. Yeah, no, yeah. 100%. Even, even something as annoying as doing your taxes, you know, you could be like, oh my God, I got to do my taxes and like constantly procrastinate and not get to it. But then you could tell yourself it's a choice. I could not do it. And then I could deal with the ramifications of not doing my taxes, but it's still a choice. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that that's um, one of the big things for me to understand that everything that I put into my schedule on a daily basis is a choice. And that's very empowering for me. Also, um, I try really hard to stay really mindful and focused at the task at hand. So um, being that I, uh, you know, being that I am really, uh, usually you know very overcommitted and lots going on in my schedule i put everything aside and as i you know take care of whatever i'm taking care of i stay mindful so that really helps me with parenting and with my all my tasks and all my projects because when i'm with my kids i kind of put everything else aside obviously i'm like anybody you know, a human being and i definitely have my my bad days where i you know, we'll be using my phone while I'm with them, but I definitely consciously try very hard to give every task that I am doing a hundred percent of my, of my attention. Right. All right. Speaking of which, how do you balance like your own social and emotional needs while, you know, taking care of your children? Um, so my social and emotional needs. So I'm very good at taking care of my emotional needs because I'm very good at really committing to my self-development. So my self-development um, is, is a real lifestyle. So, you know, every single day I wake up at 5 a.m. and 5 to 6 a.m. is my power hour. That's like my hour where I meditate and I do my workout and I do, um, and I learn um, for 20 minutes and I'm just really pumping myself, giving myself the love, giving myself um, what I need for the day ahead. So that's really my emotional wow. training. And I think it's, it's vital. I think most people, and I've been there too, kind of go through life um, navigating what life is throwing at us rather than being proactive and understanding that we get to design our life and we're going to be much more effective and much more passionate about our life if we just design it from this proactive place rather than be passive and reactive to everything. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have like a good support system, you know, whether it's friends or family who's helping you, you know, take care of yourself, encouraging you to keep going? Cause it can't, it's not always easy. Yeah, you know? no, it's definitely not easy. Um, I definitely have really, you know, I, I've, I've built a very strong um, friend group. I love my friends. I, I love my family, but I've also come to learn 
that there are certain people that you just, one mistake that I've done in the past is um, confuse or, you know, miss, misinterpret what each relationship is. I feel like a lot of times we have this tendency to, um, you know, feel like we have one friend and that friend is everything to us. And like another friend is, is everything to us, you know, in the sense of like filling all of our needs. And I think that was a big mistake for me, you know, including parents, siblings, friends, every single relationship that we have serves a unique purpose and not all relationships are there for your mental development or for your emotional development or for your social development. Every single relationship serves a different purpose. And I think gaining clarity around which relationship serves what is uh, a really integral part for not getting um, resentful and not um, being dissatisfied because your expectations are not being met. So I think that was a real big learning for me. Um, and um, I also learned that there are um, you know, I actually recently learned this. Um, it was very fascinating to me that there are four types of relationships. There's one that's based on competence. You know, this is a relationship, for example, that you may have with your therapist or your doctor or, um, or even maybe a friend, but that's, you know, based on studying or, you know, just competence and knowledge. There's another friend that is based on care. You know, someone that just genuinely loves you and is there to listen to you vent and is, is there on your hard days and on your good days. They genuinely just care and love you. Um, there's another relationship that is based on character. This is probably somebody that you will end up marrying. Someone that has, you know, integrity and um, has a good standing character. And then the last type of relationship is based on uh, consistency. So that's, you know, maybe the friend that is not always very loving, but is always there and just shows up constantly and consistently. Mm -hmm. So these are the four types of relationships. And a lot of times if we don't evaluate our relationships accordingly, we get disappointed and we feel resentful because we are expecting something from someone that is not supposed to give that to us, you know? Right. So right. I think that was a real big learning for me. And, um, and understanding that, that at the end of the day, my, my real sustenance and my real support comes from inside myself. And that comes from really training. And it doesn't just, it doesn't just appear. You have to work on it. Yeah. I love that. Wow. I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of those four. Um, what did you call it? The four, four, types the four of Yeah. The four types of uh, relationships. I learned it from Jay Shetty actually. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. It makes total sense. Yeah. I'm like thinking about my own relationship right. no, as you're talking. Yeah, it's so good to evaluate. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, speaking of relationships, so you seem to have a great relationship with your ex and his wife. So do you have any advice for other people entering this sort of relationship? Um, yes, absolutely. So first of all, um, I would say that if you're divorced, you know, you're probably divorced for a reason. Uh, and if you've moved on, whether or not you're happy about the fact that you're divorced, the fact is you're divorced and it's time to move on. Obviously, you need to give yourself the appropriate time to grieve and to feel sad and not to suppress any kind of negative emotion. But eventually, you know, the time comes where you have to move on. And being that you're going to move on, it's only in your best interest, in your children's best interest, and in the best interest of your ex-husband 
that you uh, embrace his new relationship and you embrace his new wife because that's someone that if you do have a good relationship with, it will only benefit your children and it will only benefit you, you know, clear communication. And but I also think that you, you may, and you probably will be surprised that that relationship that you have with, you know, your, your ex-husband and your, and his new wife will probably be so good for you. It's, it's so empowering and beautiful to be able to have a relationship that's different than what we're used to seeing, you know? And, um, and I think when we, when we give space to something like that to grow, I think only, only blessings could come from it. Absolutely. For sure. Was it a challenge for you that your kids had another like mother figure in their lives? Cause I can imagine that could be really difficult. Um, so there were definitely some feelings at the beginning. I wouldn't say that it was jealousy. I would say that it was definitely something new and something that I, I, you know, was experiencing something new. And I think that that's what it was. It was just like a new um, right. space. Um, so that was, that was not difficult. I think that it was, a, it was difficult for me when the, there was a conversation around what they would call her, uh, whether they would call her Alana or they would call her mom or Ima. And I think that that's where I got really sensitive. And I felt like, uh, you know, my position was that you're the mom. Yes. My position obviously was that I'm the mom, but my position was that if my children develop an organic and natural relationship with Alana and eventually on their own will decide to call her Ima, even though it may be hurtful to me, you know, on a personal level, that mm. still would be something that I would learn to accept because that's something that's natural to them. And I want my children to live their life, lives as honest and natural to themselves. But what I did not like or do not like is if somebody tells somebody, now you're going to call this person dad. Now you're going to be called this person, Ima. I find that to be a violation for, not for me, even for my children, because I think that right, a relationship right. like between a mother and a child is something that, that is natural and, you know, putting something so unnatural on it, I think is unhealthy. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you wish people would know about being a single mom? Um, I think that if, um, if I had to tell myself, um, you know, if I, if I was able to speak to my earlier self, the one that was like debating whether or not I should get divorced. Um, and it's been, and I would say that I was definitely debating divorce on and off for a good three, four years and before I actually got divorced. And I would say to myself that, that it's, it's going to be the best thing I ever do. And that I shouldn't worry that I'm not going to be financially stable, that I'm not going to be, that, I, that I'm not going to find love again, that I'm not going, that I'm going to be alone all my life, that I'm going to be considered, you know, a lebach, that I'm going to be um, lost or afraid. I would say, do not worry about any of that because that's nothing that you're going to have to worry about. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so interesting looking back and yeah. like hindsight's twenty twenty because now you know you could do it. Now you know that you're so great at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like for me, especially, you know, even the conversation in terms of relationships, I I remember so clearly um, 
you know, like the first time I went on a date after I got divorced and like how that entire experience completely encompassed me and how I was so attached to every word and every compliment and every text, um, you know, from the guy. And that was all because I did not value myself. I did not find myself worthy. I did not love myself. And, and it's so easy to neglect ourselves when we do not love ourselves. It's so easy to, to, you know, attract the wrong kind of guys when we are in a space of, of, you know, of this unhealthy mindset. And today, um, you know, being in a relationship is something that is definitely not, I wouldn't even say it's definitely not a priority for me. It's definitely, it's not even something that I, I, I attach my happiness to at all. I think that I am happy um, where I am in my life. I love my life. I love achieving the things that I'm achieving. I love learning the things that I'm learning. I love going after and experiencing everything that I do. And if in the, you know, if during this process I meet somebody that I gravitate towards and I naturally um, spend a lot of time with and if that develops into something as big as marriage, I'm not going to, you know, reject it, but it's definitely not something that I attach my sense of self or my, my sense of worth to. And I think that growing up religious, I definitely attached um, marriage to, to my identity and to my happiness. And I think that that, you know, completely switched, switched, you know, gears it like put me into a totally yeah. different mindset and I think that that kind of if I had to say what derailed me and I wouldn't even say derailed because it was ex it was exactly what was meant to happen because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go through all of that so I would never take anything back at all in fact I would do it all over again if I had to but I would say 100% that looking back if you know if there was one thing that led to another that led to another it's that this concept that I grew up with that, you know, I was trained for, that I was expected to be a good wife, a good mother, and that's about it. And I, and that, you know, obviously I would attach my happiness and my sense of worth and my sense of self to marriage, to the guy. And, um, and that's very wrong. Yeah, for sure. And you're not alone because, you know, a lot of women are in the same position and it's just, I, yeah, I love that like you're talking yeah. about it and you're, you've spoken about it on your platforms as well so that you've gone public with it. That's also really inspiring Thank to people. You. Yeah. You know? Okay, so I want to just end off with a couple last questions. Um, what are some ways that people could support single moms? I would say definitely check in with your single mom friends. Um, you know, definitely check in with them. Uh, see how they're doing. Maybe they need a night off, uh, you know, especially the ones that don't have um, shared custody, especially them, um, and check in with them, you know, see, you know, maybe they're, they're struggling with anxiety. Maybe they're struggling. I know that for a really long time when I was divorced, well, after I got divorced, there was a part of me that was, you know, a mom. And then there was a part of me that was going out with my friends and partying. And I remember I'd wake up a lot of times on those nights with this like heavy sense of anxiety of like, Oh no, like, what's this someone sign? Like I wasn't acting appropriately. There was like all this um, fear of, of judgment. 
and um, whether or not you approve of the lifestyle of your of your single friend, single mom friends is not is irrelevant. I think it's important to check in and see how they're doing. Um, ask them if there's anything that you know they need, and make sure that they feel your lack of judgment. Make sure that they feel your unconditional support and your unconditional love, because I think that at times we may think that they know that we you know support them and that we don't judge them, but Unless you actually say it, there's you know little little reason for them to actually know. For sure, it's so important because I think so often we think that people can almost read our minds, yeah, or like know what we need. In essence, they really don't. So like we're just hurting ourselves. Yes, exactly. And if they're real friends who really care about you and they want to support you, they will be so happy if you tell them what you need. Yeah, exactly. What is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Um, I hope when I think of the next generation, I think of my daughters and I hope that my daughters will not have to struggle with pursuing their passions, their dreams, um, and living their life in the truest form to themselves, of themselves. And I hope that they don't have to worry at all of judgment. They don't have to worry at all of proving themselves to anybody. They don't have to worry um, at all for people, you know, to get people's validation or recognition. I hope that more women um, will just be able to be free and live life on their own terms, not because somebody said something, not because, you know, their parents said that they need to, you know, live a certain way. I, I really do hope that more women will be like that because I know that men are already living like that to some degree. And, um, yeah. And, and it would be great if, if women if women jump on that bad wagon. Yes, I completely agree. It's so true that it's really, uh, I think that as females, we're more nervous. Yeah, 100%. And it's so empowering when we just like don't care. Like every time you just don't care about one, like another thing and you overcome the next challenge of not caring about that particular thing or aspect in your life, you just, it just feels so good. Yeah, it really does. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Zelda, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So if you want to find me um, for my life coaching or just following my life, I, I really enjoy connecting with my followers on Instagram. Um, it's Zeldy, Z-E-L-D-Y-Y. And uh, I post a lot of inspiring quotes. Uh, you can also sign up for my six-week journey, um, which is really a six-week transformational program. And in the six weeks, uh, we learn to let go of all the limiting beliefs that hold us back from our childhood, you know, truly just unleashing our shackles um, of our past, uh, being able to identify our true purpose and our true passion and acquiring the skill set that we need to actually live the life of our dreams. Um, so we do all that in six weeks. So it's truly life-changing and it's truly transformational. Um, I highly suggest anybody that's, you know, feels stuck or unmotivated or maybe has lack of motivation or just anxious or, or nothing even maybe maybe you're not even suffering from anything too serious but maybe you just know that you have what it takes to to be more to live more to just um, you know achieve more and I think that this this program truly will will take you to the next level um, and and yeah and also just you could also subscribe to my email list. I, I have a really um, 
I love, I just, I love writing. I love inspiring. And uh, it's, it's truly a passion of mine. Well, I could see that because you are, you're already inspiring me during this interview. So. <laughs> thank you. You're so, so, you also inspire me. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My Zelda hair is my wig company. You could follow me there too. Zeldi is just my personal. So if you want to kind of see, you know, my life, my kids, my, my travels, uh, my coaching, that's my personal. On, on Zelda hair, it's mostly, it's mostly wig related. Right. Okay, cool. Well, Zelda, thank you so, so much for giving me your time and sharing your story. My pleasure. As I said, you're, yeah, you're such an inspiration and I can't wait for people to listen to this. Thank you. I'm so excited. I can't wait too. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 